Hello and welcome to the Independent Minds, a series of conversations between Abbasida and people who think outside the box about how work works, with the aim of creating better workplace experiences for everyone. I'm your host, Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida. Today I am joined by Brandon Stevens, the founder and CEO of Scouter. That is Scouter, spelt without the E. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Michael. Hope you're having a good day today. I know you're in North Carolina. Yes, I'm having a great day. It's hot, but we'll we'll survive. You've got some air conditioning, I hope. <laughs> yes. Good stuff, good stuff. Please, could we start by you telling us a little bit about Brandon, and then we can talk about what Scouter is. Yeah, thank you. And, and Michael, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the time. Yeah, I, I am uh, from the, I'm actually from the Wilmington, North Carolina area. I grew up on the East Coast of uh, the U.S. I went to business school on the East Coast as well, East Carolina University. I uh, graduated in the late 90s, moved to Raleigh. I uh, started my career in banking and finance uh, in multiple roles, including recruiting and, and uh, sales and business development, marketing, et cetera. I had a pretty good career in banking and finance for about a dozen years, give or take, until the 0809 crash and decided to switch gears uh, at that point and focus more on the recruiting, specifically in technology and FP&A and, and pharmaceutical. I basically came from that banking and underwriting background, which is really data-driven and got into recruiting around 2014, 2015. And, uh, and that's where we discovered uh, what is now uh, Scout. Great. So what is Scout? Scouter for our team is a combination of data science, uh, behavioral science, uh, engineering. Uh, it's sort of a happy marriage between those worlds, right? It, it's in uh, the existing model uh, is there's not enough behavioral science embedded into the process. And so we noticed that earlier on uh, using first principles thinking strategy uh, around 2015. The first thing I noticed in the industry was uh, there was not enough data to be able to predict performance uh, across organizations. And so we originally wanted to address that. And so Scouter basically is a platform that allows an organization to be able to focus on their internal talent marketplace from a skills-based approach as opposed to a jobs-based approach. And so this data uh, is shared across the platform bilaterally, if you will, in a qualitative and quantitative way, uh, both the job seekers uh, in any vertical, in any career stage, as well as the employers. So what Scouter does essentially in a simple form is it, you, it takes the interview and establishes that interview up front, blindly, if you will, with a much higher standardization. And that data creates a new type of profile for the organization uh, team and positions as well as the individual. So Scouter is a very advanced talent marketplace, and we use those matching skills not only for existing employees, but for candidates that may join your organization. And to the candidates as well, we give those insights to where they should be focused and why. So this is really a combination of those soft and hard skills, but it's a qualitative and quantitative approach to that. One of the reasons why I was interested in having this conversation with you is because We've been doing some research at Abbasida around the way in which organizations utilize their internal talent pool and how managers recruit someone into an organization and see the application, the CV, the resume, the application form, which is completed by the candidate 
in a way so that they can get to the job. It includes all the information that you need as an employer to know about me so that I will be shortlisted for interview and then given this job. It doesn't necessarily include the whole panorama of skills, knowledge, competencies, attributes that I actually arrive with as an employee. Are you saying that Scouter will help an organization identify and manage the whole range of talents that an individual arrives with and develops so that it makes it easier for that organization to utilize the broader range of talents that that individual or group of employees have. Yes, absolutely. It's really the team characteristics to team processes origin of this data, right? It's essentially breaking things down to team culture. So those expectations that a team has for each other, right? It, it could be decision-making. There's multiple other variables there. We also include work styles or styles, if you will. Those are natural tendencies in each individual, say maybe the innovator versus the optimizer or the ambitious versus the consistent and so forth and so on. So yes, we, we teach organizations as well as individuals. Number one, what this data is. Number two, how to structure it and use it. What happens is it, 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 it tends to, uh, from a candidate, or, or from the inside out, right? From a discovery to uh, or talent retention model to a talent acquisition model and then back in, it allows organizations and individuals to see each other much differently than they do typically in a more jobs and hard skills focused approach. What this does over time in an organization, whether it's large or small, uh, is it allows you to qualify and quantify career growth and talent mobility. It gives a, it gives a better line of sight between leaderships and employees and vice versa. And what this allows you to do is it allows you to recruit from within simultaneously while recruiting uh, from outside your organization. But it gives you a much higher standardization of data to have better conversations with your teams. And so it's really about that experience, uh, employee experience and candidate experience, manager experience, et cetera. Now, this is really interesting because it sounds a little bit like the best job I ever had was working for a manager who did in his recruitment of his team, what you have described there. Now, it helped that he had a degree in psychology. And when he appointed me into my job, he said, like, you're the last person to come into the team. And I have recruited you knowing that you won't necessarily get along with some of the other people in the team. I thought, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Friendly, Mr. Sociable, you know, Mr. Congeniality. Everybody will get along with me. I'm an HR person. And he said, like, no, it won't work like that. I've not set it up like that. I've recruited people with specific skills so they will excel at their job. It sounds a little bit like he was very much ahead of his time in, in thinking like that. But what you've just described is exactly what he had done. And he was exactly right in that, no, we didn't all get along. But what we had was a respect for each other and the the jobs that each of us did. He used to say, you know, that person does the things I don't want to do and I do the things she can't do was one of my ways of describing it. But that led to the, the respect for each other as professionals. We didn't need to move beyond that in terms of our relationships. We respected one another based upon what we knew each was bringing to the department, the team, and making the team stronger. That experience I had in that job sounds like what Scouter 
will help any organisation to achieve. I was just very lucky to have um, a very forward-thinking uh, manager who had the skills to actually put that into practice. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we, we partnered with Gartner, the large consulting firm, about seven months ago. On one of the first analyst conversations I had, it was something that really stuck out to me. Over, over 50% of people in the U.S., surveyed, right? Between the early to middle career stage. So say of those individuals that are coming out of college over the last two or three years, uh, most of them post-pandemic, people that have been in the workforce, say five to 10 years, over 50% of those people polled in the U.S. indicated some level of unhappiness in their current situation. There's no mistake. It is a fact that worker or team burnout and stress are symptoms of the environment. Environment meaning the internal organizational environment. What's happening and has happened for decades is a lack of, again, line of sight into this data. Sometimes you have it as an employer that's not shared with your team. Sometimes you have it as an employee and you cannot communicate that in any, any tangible way with leadership. We have a massive problem, especially in the U.S. and Europe with morale, uh, obviously productivity and, and, and turnover. It's actually gotten worse. Uh, there, there are many variables behind that. This is absolutely a standard operating procedure upgrade, if you will. Uh, think of HR technology 2.0 and where things are going. It, it is that embedded sort of skills modeling embedded into the organization for leadership and teams to be able to understand what this means, how to use it, and to iterate along the way. There is this problem. 50% of people in the U.S. are unhappy in some way with their work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you've got demographic challenges. You've got a, an existing HR and uh, HR technology, primarily processes and tools, right? These systems are, in many cases, antiquated. Uh, and internally, you've got a, a lack of training. In, and not to pick on recruiters in any, well, any way, I was a recruiter. But what's happening internally in the organizations is that upskilling and reskilling at that seat has not occurred. And so you've got a mixed bag of processes and systems. Uh, you've got a lack of training and upskilling in the seat itself. So what you're seeing uh, in more detail in the organizations is the younger demographics, the time to hire issue is critical for them. The quality of hire is bilateral today as opposed to unilateral. And what's happening is, is companies are, are struggling to understand who they are from an employer brand perspective. So what's translating is a lot more turnover and lower workplace morale. Now, that's not totally the organization's fault, right? There are many other variables for that. But one of the, the problems, one of the root cause issues is the way the opportunity was presented to the workforce or the potential candidate market, the interview process itself, and the onboarding and beyond uh, engagement modeling between the, the team and the manager. They are not consistent, and there's no really solid data that's basically standardized in the industry outside of hard skills. Some companies get this right, uh, relatively speaking, but many, many others, an overwhelming majority of others either do not have the data or they have some relative data and are not using it appropriately. And so you're seeing, in many cases, a deterioration of this morale. Uh, you're seeing a deterioration in time to hire and quality of hire. And again, that's bilateral. It's not just the organization's fault. The organization is responsible in many cases for understanding this, but so is the job seeker themselves. That is what you're seeing in some cases as a root cause to this issue. But the Gartner research is very, very robust. And so what we found is a lot of the research that we had done 
over the past five to six years uh, correlated very strongly to what they were seeing. The, so there's some fascinating data coming out of, of that company. For example, out of 6,000 plus inquiries in 2022, 2023, thus far year to date, uh, overwhelming majority of those are in three categories. How do we consolidate our current HR stack? How do we upskill or reskill our administrators? to become more effective. This is the paradox extension, if you will, to where the current recruiter in the future state will work more with the technology to become more like an employee branding specialist or consultant. And then the third was how do we use more of the emerging AI, machine learning, and natural language processing technology? So there's no mistake that at least in the US market and and most likely in the UK market as well, that this is a a predominant prevailing sort of coming down the pipeline model you're going to see, it will eventually replace the current status quo, if you will, of job postings and and resume-based systems. We have quite a migration to go, Michael, but it is coming uh, nonetheless. It is a long journey that we are starting out on as a HR profession, but it is also a change that technology is enabling. Yeah. I know that people used to say, or still do say, that somebody would be hired for the quality of their hard skills and fired for the lack of soft skills. Mm-hmm. All of those great behavioral type skills that are becoming increasingly important. We've also spent a lot of time in the 20th century with an attitude as employers that, well, somebody's sort of lucky to have a job here. Mm-hmm. We're a great organization forgetting that the organization is actually made up of people and that your employees are your brand ambassadors, your employees are the people that make it a great place to work for themselves and everyone else. There is a lot of change in attitudes of employers that is starting to happen in terms of, well, there are not the number of people that we can just go and pick and choose who we actually want uh, to be the employee. We might have to take who we can actually find but we need to be better at identifying and defining who it is that we're going to have. When I started work, I was doing a lot of things as a junior in the HR department that technology now does. And even the HR department and line managers don't really need to be involved because it's now the employees that do that administration side of their relationship with their employer. But the interesting thing, I think, that for me, and I totally agree with it, but I want to explore it a bit more, is this side of the employees or candidates' role within the recruitment process and how, given the right type of information, they can not say that is the job for me, but make the what is sometimes a difficult decision to make. It might be the job, the right job title. It might be with a firm I really want to work with. It might be in the right location. But what the the organization is saying that they want is not the person that I am and I should wait for the next vacancy to come up. Am I right in thinking that Scouter helps candidates to understand more about the roles that an organization has, more about the organization and more about more about themselves? Yes. You know, I, I go back, Michael, to the bilateral approach of qualifying, right? It becomes this qualitative and quantitative view from both sides. So let's just think about the college graduates that are coming out in 2023. 
they don't have a lot of work history, right? Most of them are in certain verticals, of course, uh, business school, computer science, marketing, et cetera. And this doesn't apply as much to like nurses and some of the very, very tight supply and demand knowledge worker positions. But let's just think about the level of data that we can provide to those earlier career stage job seekers to help them understand what their long-term potential might look like and how that organization provides a, a career trajectory and growth model for them to be able to, to see that. You know, that is where this is going. So in terms of data, if I, if I look at it from an AI or in this case, machine learning, NLP perspective, right? We, we think of decision tree logic. So the very baseline of this data needs to be upfront. And it needs to be up front and center. And it needs to be shared bilaterally with the job seeker as well as the potential hiring manager and the internal administrator and human resources, whether that's an assistant, an administrator by, by title and or a recruiter, but almost certainly the hiring manager and the, the job seeker. They need to be aware of this information. And that's the problem you typically see is a complete lack of line of sight between those two. So sharing those insights with a potential candidate or giving them to the candidate up front to be able to make a stronger decision does a number of things, right? Number one, it gives you a, a different viewpoint of what the opportunity actually looks like. Uh, number two, the amount of data that prepares you for the interview, because think about it, right? When you're having an interview with talent or a hiring manager and say you're a, a college graduate, you're mostly talking about some of the hard skills. Can you do the job? You're rarely talking about, in, in, the, in the earlier stages of interviews, this sort of progresses to more soft skills downstream. But at first you're talking about the job itself and you're not looking at it from a skills-based model. That happens later on in interview cycles. And it's in part the reason that some of these interview cycles are so long is that you're both trying to figure out what this data actually means. And so it becomes, can you do the job to hopefully, how will you do the job with this manager and team? And that is where it's changing. So yeah, for this to work, it has to be bilateral. And that's one of the other fundamental issues in the recruiting space is that this is unilateral for the most part, uh, meaning that the organizations are the only ones with this type of intelligence or data, if you will, uh, if it's there at all. Sometimes... Michael, this is the very assumption that provides uh, sort of room for an offer. And unfortunately, large percentage of the time, uh, I would say probably somewhere between 35 and 50% of the time across organizations, you find out in say 30 to 90 days, sometimes six months, that you've made a mistake, that there's not the alignment you assumed. And this is an important thing to understand is that organizations and individuals are constantly working in a reactive environment. What you're describing is very interesting and thinking about different scenarios and different HR people that I've worked with, I am remembering someone who saw the recruitment process as almost very competitive, where they would not share information about a role with a candidate. They wouldn't share a job description or a personal profile. They wouldn't share the type of information that you're now saying um, needs to be shared with candidates so that it becomes a bilateral decision-making process rather than the unilateral. And I think that is a key, the way in which the relationships between employers and employees are changing. When we talk about wanting to increase 
levels of employee engagement when we talk about wanting to have more flexibility in the way in which people work. It's all going to require managers and employers with their employees to have a relationship that is based on trust and information and the free sharing of information. Teams are going to be much more collaborative, much more um, supportive, and almost you know, the bilateral part of the recruitment process is where it all starts. A great way to introduce candidates into that type of approach of working is by actually having it as part of the recruitment process. Yeah, it's the inside out methodology. It's, it's discovery of what an opportunity actually looks like from a, a, a much different perspective. And it's important because vendor recruiting, staffing and agency recruiting are um, going to struggle with this primarily because they have a difficult time getting that level of data from their client. Uh, internal recruiting, corporate recruiting at all levels, I think eventually will switch to this model uh, in the way they present opportunities, discover those opportunities from the team manager and position level to how they share that information uh, with employers. And this is really where the talent the talent intelligence sort of rise uh, of their ta- talent intelligence machine, if you will, is starting to take place uh, in terms of what's, what's happening in HR technology. It's moving away from the antiquated model of job postings and, and job boards and resumes and applicant tracking, et cetera. It's not going to be overnight, obviously. And, and you think about this, Michael, from the, the headhunter, if you will, was a very revered position decades ago. Oh, I loved it when the, when the phone rang in the office and it was somebody who was saying, like, have you got some time to talk confidentially about an opportunity? That was really nice. That made my day every time a headhunter called me. Yeah, you think about um, before the sort of the digital age, if you will, mid-90s and the internet, et cetera, which gave, gave, kind of gave birth to your, your web-based uh, job platforms, et cetera, and of course, applicant tracking and, and um, almost your social media models like LinkedIn today. But before that age, if you will, before that sort of transformation in the mid-late 90s, you had headhunters who were subject matter experts. They were highly relational in their communities and their markets. Um, and they had this bilateral qualification approach. The really good ones did, right? And some still do today. But that model, that model was very revered um, years ago. It was more in the senior to executive level space. To a certain degree, we're going back to that relational model. It allows a deep, uh, a deep view, if you will, into what the opportunity looks like. That's what we're seeing at least start to rise up, if you will, in the U.S. and U.K., uh, whether you're a consultant working with somebody like Predictive Index or Qualtrics or some of these other uh, candidate to employee experience platforms, or you're a scouter uh, who is building the actual marketplace itself. This is the model that's going, to, that's going to prevail in the next five to seven years. There's no doubt about it. I think it will be as quick as that. That's a great question. <laughs> I think you're starting to see the transformation happen in some of the RPO services modeling. And that's been going on for a while, right? There's certain RPOs that don't call their internal recruiters recruiters. They're referred to as analysts or hiring specialists. I, I can appreciate that from the approach of really focusing on customer success, right? And the customer success, again, is bilateral. It's not just the organization. It should be the candidate to employee experience as well. So you've seen that happen with some of the RPO moves over the last, say, three to five years. And, and, and I really like to see that. I think from an HR technology standpoint, 
this transformation will take you know a seven to ten year, uh, and that's about what you see, right? You know, you see these emerging technologies that are more skills based modeling using natural language processing. Uh, the technology is there, Michael, and it's getting better and better each month. And everyone hears about GPT and ChatGPT, but this is not new technology. ChatGPT is a new open eye, well, at least the, the newer variations of it, and it's an extremely powerful model. But we're referring to something that's similar, but also somewhat different in the fact that each organization can train their own internal model based on the organizational infrastructure and from the top down or bottom up perspective of skills-based modeling. So you're able to create your own marketplace within the organization itself. You're seeing this happen already. It's just not obviously standard operating procedure. You've got a number of, of barriers to entry to this. You've got, uh, you first and foremost, you've got to establish this as a almost the way you would establish any enterprise resource planning model. This has to be top down. You have to also train, an, uh, AKA upskill or reskill existing administrators in those seats. A major change in HR's technology is a major change for HR professionals, for HR departments, and for organizations. And it is going to require some careful planning. Uh, you can't just jump into it, so to speak. But if someone is interested, where can they find more information about Scouter? So yeah, you can go to www.scouter.team. That's S-C-O-U-T-R dot team, T-E-A-M. We're also on LinkedIn. We'll put links in the description below. I love saying we'll put the links in the description below. It's worth reading, folks. It's worth reading. But for the moment, Brandon, it's been very interesting and very enlightening. And to have a, a glimpse of, of what is going to be happening in the future, not too distant future in HR, is, uh, has been really very interesting for me. So for the time being, Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me on and, and a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. And thank you to you for listening to The Independent Minds. I am Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida, and I have been having a conversation with the independent mind, Brandon Stevens. You can find out more about both of us at abbasida.co.uk. There is a link in the description below. Remember, the aim of all the podcasts produced by Abbasida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.